Hi lovely listeners, my name is Lisa Marie Imray and I am the host of Coffee and Crime, a true crime podcast, where each week I sit down with a cup of coffee and talk about any kind of true crime story. So if you are interested in true crime, which I bet you are since you're here listening to this amazing podcast, or you like drinking coffee, then feel free to give Coffee and Crime a listen to. It is available on all major podcast platforms. You can also find Coffee and Crime on Facebook or Instagram, where the DMs are always ready for you to slide in with your thoughts and feelings, recommendations, or anything true crime related. So until then, be safe, be good, be better, and all that cheesy crap. And I will catch you guys over at Coffee and Crime. Due to the graphic nature of some of the topics we will be touching on, listener discretion is advised. I have a family here that thinks that they might have a medical emergency of their sister. There's three kids in the car, five. They're trying to locate her. The girls just called in distress. They said that the, the aunt is driving very erratically. We think she's sick, and we're, we're trying to locate the kids. Family men, family men. Good evening, everybody, or morning, or whatever you're doing when you're listening to this. I hope your day is going swell. We're Eye for an Eye podcast. I'm your host, Lisa, and I'm here with my co-host, Jules. What up? It's ladies night. Yeah, it's ladies night. Like Jules said, Matt actually had to work a little bit later today. He unfortunately could not be here for the beginning of this episode, but in true Matt fashion, he might pop on. At some point during this recording, please don't be afraid if he pops in, but that's why you're not hearing him in the beginning. We apologize to our listeners that are here in this episode if you were expecting to hear Matt because he might be on this episode, he might not. He knows the case. This is actually a case that we've recorded before, but I lost the file somewhere along the way. It was never heard by any other person other than Matt and I, and now we have Jules here to give her input. Matt's not missing a whole lot here. He's familiar with this episode. So let's get right on into it. I'm trying so hard not to have vocal fry. How do you, would you like, is the way to fix that just to push out your voice? I don't know. Like I've looked it up once and then I got sad because I don't know how. I didn't even think I had that problem until somebody was like, you have vocal fry. I was born this way. I was going to say, I feel like you can't really control it. No, and I genuinely have vocal nodules. And I know people get surgery because that can, like, mess with vocal fry. I just sound so gravelly. Like, do I sound as gravelly when I push out my voice? I just sound like I'm yelling. Wait. Where's my water? Hold on. I'm going to get my water. (laughs) You said, what if Peanut also has vocal fry? She probably does. Her little raspy bark. Dogs probably all do. They're just barking all the time. I know, right? If I make my voice deeper. <laughs> I don't know how to look into it because that hurt my feelings, even though that was left like years and years and years and years ago. But, you know, mean comments stick with you. For sure. Matt always used to get mad when I would read our reviews, but like it fueled me because without those, I wouldn't know what to fix. But uh, yeah. a lot of them were like, I hate her voice. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I might just get a new one. Yeah. Yeah. That's my voice, like it or not, which is funny. This sounds really weird, but that's also a compliment I get often in person. It's like people say they like my voice. And I'm like, 
it was so weird to then be ha- hit in the face with all these reviews about how shitty my voice sounds. I'm like, it's weird because in person, people tell me that, like, that's the weirdest compliment right. I get often. No one says shit about my eyes. No one says shit about anything. There's different jokes for different folks. And yeah, I'll be with this episode. Called. <laughs> it's lovely to do good. And there are some people, did your mother never teach you if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all? Right? Like, I don't care about your mean feedback. I'm trying to think if there's been any time when I've been, like, compelled to leave negative feedback. Not on a podcast. Like, I'm choosing to listen to that. Right? You could turn it off. Right. It's like a movie. Like, I'm not going to rip apart a movie. Wait, what movie did you see? X. I don't know. It's a scary movie. It's actually a really strange concept. Do you like scary movies? I do, but I'm scared of them. Okay. Peanut. Go bother your grandma. Go bother your grandma. The plot is really strange. It takes place in the 70s. It's about a 70s porn shoot. A guy that shoots porn at porn actresses or whatever. And they go to a remote farm to film one of their movies. And the old couple that works there is weird. That's all I'll say. It's actually pretty good. It's a slasher fic, and there's a lot of nudity and stuff because it's about a porn, but it was actually pretty good. It wasn't scary, though. I wouldn't say it was scary at all. Okay. There was no jump scares or anything. It actually made me kind of feel bad. (laughs) It's Um, a weird message, but I don't want to spoil it if you're going to see it. Yeah, it was interesting. That was good. I haven't been to the movies in so long. I love going to the movies. I miss it. I like the popcorn. I like chilling. And that specific movie theater... They have reclining chairs. Oh, fun. I love the movie. Anytime you want to see a movie, I will see it with you. Yeah, for sure. Listen to me just like doing everything to not start reading this. Just kidding. I'm just really distracted. I think I got ADHD, but you know, Adderall doesn't work for me the way it does for others. I don't really know what's going on. I Like I said, I think TikTok fucked up my whole... For sure. And it's just like a tough day. I feel like everyone I spoke to today was like obscenely tired. Yeah. And... Is it Monday? Yeah. Yeah, and in the recording world, it's wedding week. Like, we got a lot going on, folks, okay? We're doing our best. Matt will join this call, and we will not (laughs) start at the gate. Eight minutes in. Let me pull it back up. Okay, back to the beginning here. It's like Groundhog's Day. We are in survival mode today. (laughs) Truly. But I have really no excuse. Jules does, but I don't. Peanut, you are squeaking a toy. (sighs) There's a lot of noises. I'm overstimulated. But yeah, hi, everybody. (laughs) We're back. You guys should stop introducing us. Welcome. It's ladies' night for now. Ladies' night. Matt had to work late today. He might be jumping in on this episode a little bit later, which is why you don't hear his little quips right now. His cadaverous voice. His cadaverous voice. Shout out to the cadaverous gents out there like Matt. But my dog's also here, Peanut. She's a lady. She's joining ladies' night. She's about to rip off my arm. She's very playful today. But yeah, we're here with a blind eye case. You're going to hear a lot of craziness because my dog is uh, bored and she wants attention. Don't we all? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, yeah, tonight's a weird night, everybody. Like, I excuse everything that's about to come out of our mouths because I feel like I'm sleeping. If you're here, you truly love us, and you'll need yeah. to love us to get through this episode. Yeah, yeah. You just stick on, stick through with us. Stick on through. I don't fucking know. But let's get into the case here. It's a blind eye. We love you, and we appreciate you, and 
you know, tell your friends, tell your fan fans, tell your fam, tell everybody. Tell your only fans. Tell you a hundred percent. Let them know. Mm-hmm. Give that cash money. Play us as ads in like the background of your only fans. <laughs> but yeah, thank you all for being here. Again, this is a little bit of a kooky night, so I apologize in advance if we start laughing inappropriately or I don't know if Matt just randomly starts talking because he tends to pop in out of the blue. If anyone has seen the documentary, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane, you will know exactly who we're talking about today. We are talking about the case of Diane Schuller. And if you haven't seen the documentary, definitely very sad documentary to watch, but very, very interesting Uh Really, it's like the the only thing I've really ever seen about this case, besides like doing research through articles, but that really in depth covers the case. And it's really interesting. Definitely something to watch if you are in need of a true crime documentary. I'm going to go little... back and, and give it another try. I wasn't in the right state of mind. When you come back from Hawaii, if you haven't, or Hawaii, <laughs> I'm taking you on vacation wherever I want. Love it. Whenever you come back from your honeymoon, we will. Watch it if you haven't already, if it wasn't like a plain movie or something. That's right. Here's a big shout out. Jules and her fiance get married this coming weekend. By the time you listen to this, they will be well past a married couple. But, you know, here we are right now. That's part of the reason why nobody can focus right now. Yeah, we're just really excited. Wedding weekend's going to be a blast. All of our friends are going to be there. It's going to be a real nice night day evening weekend all of the above really yes all of the above and statistically that's the person who's most likely to kill jules yeah you heard it here first if she goes missing (laughs) report it (laughs) report it tell them who it is everybody knows we are talking about diane schuller today again a really sad case and a really interesting case and we're calling this one a blind eye and we'll talk about why but if you're already familiar with the case you will know. Let's get into it. Diane Schuler was a 36-year-old account executive. And by all accounts, she was a very hard worker. She actually seemed to be the breadwinner of their family, bringing around 100K home a year. Bringing in bank. Like, I don't know what her husband made, but the way that they speak about her in articles seemed like she was one of the main breadwinners. And she was making a lot of money. So if her husband was making more than that, they were doing mighty fine, yeah. but they don't really talk about him as much, obviously, because the case isn't about him. She's 36 years old, which used to sound so old to me, which I know is like blasphemous because I'm sure we have listeners that are like of all ages. But now that feels so young, yeah, right? Like that's not far away from any of us. When I first heard this case, I was probably like 20. And for some reason, even then, I don't know why, 36 felt old. But now I'm like, oh my God, that's around the corner. In the documentary, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane, her friends and family described Diane as a devoted mother and wife. By all accounts, she was your typical loving mom, made a great living for her family, was really caring, was a great family member to have. And a lot of people really had high accolades for Diane, which I think will come back into play a bit later when we discuss exactly what happened and what we think happened. Because again, there's a little bit of mystery in this, and there, there's some controversy, I suppose. Her and her husband, Daniel Schuler, had two children, five-year-old Brian and two-year-old Aaron. The Schuler family had been camping on their Long Island property on a hot summer in July. 
At approximately 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, July 26, in 2009, 36-year-old Diane Scholler left the Hunter Lake Campground in Parksville, New York, in a red 2003 Ford Windstar that belonged to her brother. She's just driving her brother's van back. And riding with Diane were her five-year-old son, her two-year-old daughter, and her brother's three daughters, who were aged eight, seven, and five. Her husband, Daniel Schuler, left the campground around the same time, but in a separate vehicle, since he had a pickup truck and took the dog with him. He seemed to get the supplies and the dog. She took all the kids, and I'm not 100% sure where everybody else was. You said the, the Ford Windstar is a van? It was definitely a van. Like, a, a van is what crashed. Yeah, it looks like a minivan. Yeah. Diane took the kids, her husband Daniel took the dog and, you know, the supplies that they were out that way with at their little campground. A co-owner of the campground later said that Diane Schuler appeared sober and was not acting out of the ordinary when she departed, which would become important later on. That's something to note. People around Diane, from seemingly every angle, noted that she was sober, she was acting normal, people knew her. This was their property up in Long Island. They said she was acting normal. They were familiar with her. Nothing of note that would have raised any flags of Diane that morning. On the way to West Babylon, Schuler stopped at a McDonald's fast food restaurant, as one does on a road trip back home, and a Snoko gas station in Liberty. While at the gas station, it is claimed on surveillance video with no sound that she attempted to buy over-the-counter pain relief medication, believed by her family to have been for tooth pain that she had been experiencing that was really bothering her, but the gas station did not sell it. And what I mean by it is claimed, again, we don't have the audio from that surveillance. We're going solely by the testimony of the people that were working and the people that were like in the store. We can't hear on the videotape what she was saying specifically. That's something to note as well. But her family said that she was experiencing tooth pain, so it would have made sense that it was bothering her. Diane pulled off to get gas and decided to hop on and see if there was any pain medicine she could take to help that pain. Scholler left Liberty just after 11 a.m., traveling along Route 17, Interstate 86, and the New York Thruway, which is Interstate 87 entering the Ramapo service area and crossing the Tappan Zee Bridge heading east. Several witnesses later reported seeing a red minivan, which is what she was driving, driving aggressively on Route 17, Interstate 86, and Interstate 87, including aggressively tailgating, flashing headlights, honking the horn, moving in and out of lanes, and straddling the two lanes. A lot of people witnessed after her little like rest stop she was driving pretty erratically, and we'll see this unfortunately continue. But that's to note too. She's driving pretty erratically. A lot of people noticed this. It was concerning to a lot of people on the road. She was on an interstate. So a lot of cars are around her, and there's this van driving wildly, manically in and out. I always feel like if I get into an accident and it's just myself in the car, obviously it sucks. But if I'm driving someone else, I feel like the pressure is so much higher. Like yeah. You know, you're just more concerned. Well, let alone somebody else's kids. You know right. what I mean? And your own kids, really. Right. This is all going to kind of come full circle, unfortunately. But that adds to the mystery of it. Because by all accounts, Diane would have done the same thing that you and I are saying. Like, 
There was no reason to believe that she typically drove erratically. There was no reports of her driving erratically on the way there. There were no reportings before she stopped to get the pain medicine that they reportedly didn't have of her driving erratically. It was only after this stop that she was driving to the point where it freaked people out. And that's that's a big no, right? Because like if you're watching someone drive crazy, you should call the police because yeah. you think something's wrong with them or they're being reckless and, and they could hurt you or somebody else. And unfortunately, we're going to see that play out in the most horrific of ways. At 11.37 a.m., Schuler called Warren Hans, who's her brother, and the father of the three girls in her van. And by girls, I mean nieces. Her three nieces are in the van. And she told him that they were being delayed by traffic, so, you know, they'd be home a little later than expected. According to a police report, Scholler was seen by witnesses at approximately 11.45, almost 10 minutes after this call was made, by the side of the road with her hands on her knees as if she was vomiting. She was seen again in the same position a short time later north of the Ramapo rest stop. That's of note, too. It, it seemed like something was up with her, and, and this was reported by several people. And it always makes you wonder if, like, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, obviously, people reported her erratic driving. Like, that was a real thing that was called into police. But I wonder if, like, only after realizing what happened did people call in and say, oh, we saw her. Like, that made right. sense. Like, that's who that was. Well, because if you think about it, people often get cut all the time you don't see it every day but it's also not like just hung over right like it's not the strangest thing i've ever seen yeah 100 percent. a lot of people a lot of witnesses came forward and said we saw her on the side of the road and now we see her at a rest stop sounds like something was going on with diane at 1 p.m that was what an hour and a half. An hour, yeah. At 1 p.m., another call was made to Hans from Schuler's cell phone. During the call, one of Schuler's nieces reportedly told her father that Schuler was having trouble seeing and speaking clearly. Mind you, she is driving a vehicle on the interstate, and her niece is talking to her dad on the phone saying, Hey, something's wrong with Aunt Diane which is where they get the title of the documentary from, that call, which is very sad. Schuller herself then took the phone and talked to Hans and said that she was disoriented and couldn't see clearly. They're both saying this. At this point, you would think maybe she'd pull over the car. If you know you're having trouble seeing, you pull off the road. And I think that should be a PSA to anybody on the planet Earth. If you cognitively say that you can't see or something's going wrong, pull off. Take a minute. Even if it's a busy highway, do your best to get somewhere safe. Stay in your car, but just if you had to take a five-minute nap, a ten-minute nap, if you had to call someone for help. I mean, that's what the shoulder's for, you know, in theory. Exactly. Exactly. So police believed that the car was stopped at a pull-off area beyond the Tappan Zee Bridge toll booths for at least part of this call. For part of the call, they believe she was pulled over. However, it does seem that she resumed driving or was driving prior to the call taking place. Hans reportedly told Schuler to stay off the road while he came to meet them. Follow-up calls from Hans to Schuler were not answered. He was saying, look, Diane, you stay where you are. Thank you for letting me know. I'll come pick you guys up. You just leave your car wherever it is, and we'll, we'll get everybody home, and we'll figure out what's going on with you, and then we can pick up your car or deal with that later. However, after the original call, 
They hung up with each other. And when he went to call her back, she was not responding at all, which I don't know if our listeners can relate, but I'm sure you've felt this way, Jules, where like if someone calls you and you're talking to them or like you, they call you and you miss it. And then you instantly call them back and they don't answer. It's the most frustrating thing on the planet. Right. It's like, what are you doing? We were it's like, you just called me. You, I just missed your call. Why aren't you answering? What did you need? And then you're like spiraling, right? Yeah. You're thinking the worst. And can you imagine what Hans was feeling when he knows his three daughters are in this car? Everybody is reporting the same thing, that Diane is just not acting right. Something is very wrong. That must have been such a panic-inducing moment in the family, genuinely, in the family. It would be, I mean, that would be very scary from any perspective. For some unknown reason, Diane left her cell phone on the highway, which was found later by another motorist by the side of the road near the toll lanes of the Tappan Zee Bridge. This is why the police believed that she had stopped at some point, got out of her car, put her phone down, or threw her phone, or dropped her phone, and then continued on because her phone was left in that same area, and they believe she had been still in that area prior to continuing on and just left her phone. Now, we'll have to talk about if we think she left her phone on purpose or not, but we will talk about that in a bit. There was a lot of mystery shrouding Diane's phone being left behind since it was not found at the eventual wreckage, which we're about to talk about. And the way her cell phone was found gave the impression that Diane threw the phone out the window after speaking to her brother. And there's a lot of theories about that as well. Investigators were trying to determine how and why Schuller got from the bridge to Taconic State Parkway ramps near Briarcliff Manor, New York, which is where the next information in this timeline comes from. At 1.33 p.m., two drivers called 911 after noticing Schuller's van edging onto the northbound exit ramp of the Taconic State Parkway near the Briarcliff Manor. At the end of the exit ramp at the intersection with Pleasantville Road, it's marked with two signs that read, do not enter, and two signs that read one way. And I'm sure everybody can envision this because if you're ever on a highway or really anywhere where there's like a do not enter, it's a one-way lane or it's an inbound lane and you're going outbound, they put not just one little sign that says like, hey, do not enter. It's like seven signs, bright red, sometimes flashing that literally say, do not pass this point. Do not come this way. One way. Caution. Well, do it's not so enter. dangerous. I feel like they make it very... Very obvious. obvious, yeah. Very obvious. And I think that's important to note, too. And, and those signs were there, and they were very visible in this case as well. With the next, within the next minute, four more 911 calls were placed by motorists who reported that a car was traveling the wrong way down the parkway going approximately 75 to 85 miles per hour. The van traveled south for 1.7 miles in the parkway's northbound passing lane before colliding head-on at approximately 1.35 p.m. with a 2004 Chevrolet Trailblazer, which then struck a 2002 Chevrolet Tracker. At the time of impact, Schuller was traveling approximately 85 miles per hour. The Tacoma State Highway's speed limit is 55 miles per hour. That means Diane was traveling in the wrong direction over 30 miles over the speed limit. 
Yeah, I mean, that's dangerous, even going the right direction, even being in a normal state of mind. And from the calls, obviously, Diane's state of mind was, or not necessarily her state of mind, but like she said, yeah, I don't know. That's part of the whole case where it's, it's kind of like, what the hell happened? Yeah. It's kind of like a WTHC and a blind eye mixed into one. Unfortunately, Schuler, her daughter, and two of her nieces were dead at the scene of the crash. The children did not appear to have been in car seats or even to have been seatbelted in. And three men in the trailblazer, 81 Michael Bastardi, 49-year-old guy who was Michael Bastardi's son, and their friend, 74-year-old Dan Longo. The two occupants of the trafficker suffered only minor injuries. Scholler's severely injured third niece and Scholler's five-year-old son, Brian, were taken to area hospitals where the niece died later that day. In this car crash, Diane passed away, her daughter passed away, all three of her nieces passed away, and three men passed away. And the only survivor besides the two people in the trafficker was her five-year-old son, Brian, who witnessed all this and I did want to touch on really quick that it was reported that they weren't in car seats or to have seatbelts on. The way I envisioned that was either one, when they got back in the car from the gas station, Diane was already on, you know, a different planet in her head and just didn't fasten them in. Or the way I kind of take it, and again, this is all speculation because we will never know. I kind of take it as at least the older ones unfastened their seatbelt to kind of like get Diane's attention and be like, what's happening? Because they were cognizant enough to be on the phone with their dad and say, hey, something's wrong with Aunt Diane. She's not acting right. She's slurring her words. She's complaining she can't see and she's driving crazily. They knew something was up. The way I think about it is like when I was little and asking my parents something in our van, I'd unbuckle my seatbelt and get closer to her so like I could be part of the conversation, I guess. That's kind of the way I envision it as well. But, I mean, unfortunately, we'll never know. And it's super tragic. This case is just so sad all the way around. But let's talk about Jules because there's a lot of questions that everybody still has about this case. Brian, who is her son, Diane's son, was the only passenger of Schuler's vehicle to survive. And he suffered from broken bones and severe head trauma from the collisions. He remained hospitalized before returning home in early October. Two men who witnessed the accident and smoke rising out of the van ran to assist the occupants. After removing Schuler from the van, the two men saw a large, broken, absolute vodka bottle by the driver's side. Mm. The men tried to pull the girls out of the van and noted that they had no pulse. Because the children possibly were not seatbelted in and thrown together, the men didn't even notice Brian stuck under another child. Brian was the only survivor of the accident, and eight people lost their lives that day. Can you imagine? He was buried underneath the dead bodies of his cousins and his sister and his mom. That's awful. That's truly awful. Obviously, I wish we could say that nobody or nobody died in, in this event, but like, imagine living and, you know, based off what you said just there, right, with the, the trauma, absolute vodka, like if Diane was drunk and did this and then to live with the fact that you killed your own children, your nieces, like, oh, my gosh, horrifying. And that's like this is where things all get really messy. That was the question everyone kind of had. 
How did a mother and aunt end up speeding the wrong way on a highway with children she had loved dearly in the car? As we talked about earlier, that's not abnormal for you to be driving your nieces and nephews around. And by all accounts, that morning, Diane was fine. People at the campsite reported she was acting normal. She was loving. Everybody said this across the board. There was no one who was like, "Mm." she was a seedy like past. Like no one said that. Everyone reported the same things, which makes this all the more confounding. Just days after the crash on August 4th, toxicology reports conducted on Diane's body shocked everyone who knew her. It was found, unsurprisingly, based on the broken vodka bottle in her car, Diane had a blood alcohol level of 0.19, with the legal limit being 0.08. That is over double the legal limit. Approximately six grams of alcohol were found in her stomach contents that had not yet been absorbed into her blood, meaning that 0.19 probably should have been higher because that was what her blood alcohol content was. And again, that's over double the legal limit. That is a lot of alcohol in your system. There was no surprise the investigation of the collision drew nationwide attention as Schuler's husband strongly disagreed with the conclusion that she was heavily intoxicated at the time of the crash. Because essentially what reports and what evidence show is she got fucked up somewhere between the the campsite and leaving. And she drove wrong way because she was shit-faced on the highway and killed a bunch of people, including herself. And her husband and a lot of the people that knew her were like, no, that's absolutely not what happened. She was not shit-faced. She didn't even drink. And there's no way. There's no way that that could be the case, which is very interesting. We'll talk about it. But just to get through the case, because it's a bit of a lengthy one, we've been struggling today. The report also said that Schuller had high levels of THC in her system, which is the active ingredient for everybody that knows it, marijuana. And she had high levels in her system. She could have smoked marijuana as recently as 15 minutes before the incident, but that wasn't confirmed. It was just confirmed that was in her system. In an August 8th press conference, Daniel Schuller and his attorney, Dominic Barbara initially denied that Diane did drugs or was drinking that weekend at the lake since several children were with them. Schuller, however, then changed the story and consistently denied that his wife ever, quote, drank to excess, end quote, or could have been drunk while driving that day. Meaning, originally he was like, she never drank, she would never drink, she didn't smoke anything, we were with kids, it would never have happened. Then he was kind of like, nah, we did have a drink here or there, but it wasn't like some crazy amount. That would be abnormal or that would raise any flags for me or anybody else. It was just like a healthy amount, adults having a little bit of fun in a responsible way since they had a lot of kids with them. When Larry King and Oprah Winfrey asked Daniel about the vodka in the van, because again, this made national headlines. She drove the wrong way on a very popular interstate and killed eight people. It was a big, big, big news story. And so when Larry King and Oprah asked Daniel about the vodka in the van, Daniel claimed that they always kept an old bottle in their camper. He further stated that Diane did all the packing for the camping trip. She must have moved the bottle into the van. Neither King nor Oprah seemed convinced and continued to question him, which rightfully so. Yeah. I understand. That's sketch. I, I appreciate and I understand what he was trying to do, right? His wife had passed away. His one kid had passed away. His other kid was severely injured. All three nieces of his passed away. His wife was at fault. 
seemingly for being under the influence. I know he was trying to protect her honor and her legacy, and I understand that. But there's parts of this where I think he really did convince himself, Jules, that that was the case. Still to this day, he's pretty steadfast in what he believes happened here. But I'm glad that Larry King and Oprah pressed him on it because unfortunately, like, I know this is hard to talk about and I know it was your wife and your family members who passed away, which is horrific and terrible and traumatic. And you weren't there and you weren't involved that we know of, right? Because maybe he was drinking with her before and he should have known yeah. to be like, hey, don't get in the car. But at the end of the day, there are questions that the world wanted answered. And these are very valid questions because how did this happen well right the toxicology report is what it is it's not yeah like it's not like they made it objective because they're like mad right. <laughs> it's not like it's not like opinion it was right. fact. that's what was found and then it was the fact that these bottles were found in the car on the scene daniel eventually admitted that he and his wife had been drinking during the camping trip but denied that diane had anything to drink on the day preceding the crash It sounds like every time he was interviewed, he let more and more slip or more and more out. Or he kind of was connecting that. It's like, oh, shit, we did have a drink or two. Oh, shit. Maybe like, you know, it seemed it was very much that. And again, I I genuinely think, which we can talk about a bit later, but I genuinely think this was in an effort to protect his wife's honor, right? She passed away. I don't think he wanted people to see her as a villain in any type of way. Because if he willingly drank alcohol, got in a car shit-faced with a bunch of kids, you're knowingly putting everybody's life in danger, including your own. I think his mindset was, I don't want people to think of my deceased darling wife that way. I don't want anyone to think that she would have knowingly or willfully put my kids in danger. Yeah. I get where he's coming from. But also, unfortunately, he kind of looks in consider of the other people that passed away. There was three others that weren't in that car that were affected by this as well. And they deserve the truth. Their families deserve the truth just as much as anybody else. Yeah. The campground co-owner who knew the Schulers well saw them off at approximately 9 a.m. that morning and stated that Diane appeared sober, which was also uh, reported by the other people at the campgrounds that weekend. They said she was being normal, whatever, but maybe she was a high-functioning alcoholic. Maybe she had some secrets that even her husband didn't know about. We'll talk about all of these theories later, but the gas station employee whom Schuler asked for Tylenol, again for her toothache, at around 11 a.m. also said, quote, I knew for a fact that she wasn't drunk when she came into the station, end quote. According to Tom Reskin, who was an investigator supposedly hired by Daniel for $30,000, and again, keep that in mind, None of the McDonald's employees saw anything in Diane's behavior to suggest that she was intoxicated. In fact, she was observed carrying on an extended conversation while ordering her food and orange juice. But again, McDonald's. Right? Yeah, it was before the gas station. Remember, this is a report directly from his private investigator, Daniel's private investigator, who he paid a, a hefty sum to to find out more information. Some may say that maybe that indicates it was skewed. Maybe he slipped him a little more money to get the story that he wanted out to the people. Rose Control reports in September that he had interviewed relatives, none of whom had ever seen her in a drunken state. And again, Jules, we can always discuss this more later, but it seems like this was a protective effort rather than an honest, like, or just, I don't know, we'll talk about it because I do have, 
It could go two ways for me, and we'll talk about that a bit later. Ruskin also pointed to the autopsy results that showed an absence of organ damage often found in alcoholics, although an unevolved medical examiner said such results do not rule out alcoholism. Not everybody gets cirrhosis of the liver when you have alcoholism, especially if it's like newer founded, right? You could be an alcoholic newly. It doesn't mean you, you've been an alcoholic for 30 years, right? you know, or even 10. It could be a new thing. Who knows? But that does not definitively rule out alcoholism. And that's what this medical examiner was trying to say. Scholler's relatives had also disputed that Diane was known to drink heavily or irresponsibly. And saying that they do not know Diane as a drinker. She's never been a pioneer. This is not her. Daniel denied that his wife did drugs, but did tell investigators that his wife smoked marijuana only, quote, occasionally. And his family told People magazine that she used it to relieve insomnia, which I know a lot of people who do that. Like, no shade to that at all, but it was found in her system. <laughs> it's just like, right. the reports don't lie. Like, what? I understand the protective nature of this, but at some point, maybe it would benefit her honor to come forward and be like, she fucked up hardcore and people lost their lives. And I'm sorry. And like, I'm sorry that this happened. Well, right. And these aren't just strangers. Like yeah. the, well, your that'll... own child. Well, yeah, but I'm saying not only strangers, like your own child, your nieces, like you would think as much as you may want to protect your wife, you'd also want like the truth to come out. I don't know. I'm... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really tricky case. And again, yeah. we'll talk about it a little bit more at the very end here. Alcoholism, which affects 9.6 million people in the United States, disproportionately affects men more than women. 6.9 million men compared with 2.5 million women, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. But women are uniquely susceptible, susceptible to the effects of alcohol. I wanted to include that, meaning that it makes sense. Like if you, me, and your fiance went and got drunk, you and I are going to get drunk faster and it's going to affect us more than if he were to drink the same exact amount yeah. because it's just biology. He's just a, a bigger person, more mass there. We would have a problem. <laughs> yeah. We cannot. We would be good. Yeah. Wait, if I tried to keep up with him, I'd be in the hospital. With less water in their bodies, women take longer than men to break down the toxic compounds in alcohol, with the result that the same amount of alcohol exposes a woman to more alcohol for longer periods of time than for a man. And the associated shame and stigma of the disease makes it less likely that an alcoholic would seek help from family members or seek professional treatment. All this to say, because they didn't see her drink in excess doesn't mean she wasn't drunk. Obviously, she was drunk. Look at the alcohol in her system. Like that, that again, that's undisputable information. Also, it's not likely, statistically, it's not likely for her to go to her family members and be like, look, I have a problem. It makes sense that her family's like, I've never known her to be this way. A lot of this is in secrecy and shame. And it's very sad. And I think there's there's different conversations to be had about that. But I wanted to include that information because it makes sense why her family would be confounded by this, this idea that she was drunk, high, something was going wrong. Schuller's lawyer, Dominic Barber, suggested that Schuller may have ingested alcohol in an attempt to raise a low blood sugar level. A theory experts say demonstrates a fundamental misunderstanding of both diabetes and stroke. <laughs> it just seems like at this point they were genuinely pulling at straws. They just yeah. didn't want it to look like Diane had done this on purpose or recklessly. Because I don't know if she did it on purpose. I don't think she had an intent to kill everybody on the highway. 
but she did something willingly and knowingly, it seems, and and they've been trying, you know, tooth and nail to get that part kind of washed away from people's memory. So although Daniel is an officer in public security, in the public security unit of the Nassau County Police Department, he was not required to report his wife's drug use as he is a civilian because people were wondering why he wouldn't report if he's a police officer, if she was using then illicit substances, whereas now it's decriminalized everywhere. It doesn't really matter. In November of that same year, it was reported that Diane's sister-in-law had made a statement to police that she actually smoked marijuana on a regular basis, which again, no shade to that. We know a lot of people who do that as well. But again, when you're getting in a car with a bunch of kids, and again, she also had a lot of alcohol in her system, that is something to note. According to Barbara, Schuller was obese for much of her life and suffered from diabetes, although additional sources cite Diane as only having had gestational diabetes, which for those who don't know, obviously only comes around when you are pregnant and then it goes away rather than a chronic condition. On this note as well, either one, she would know that alcohol doesn't up your blood sugars. If you had diabetes, had gestational diabetes, there is no way in your teaching they were like, yeah, drink some alcohol, it'll fix you right up. Especially not with gestational diabetes because you're pregnant. Yeah, take a shot and, and you'll be good. <laughs> yeah, like in what teaching would that make sense? Barbara had also mentioned an abscess that had persisted in her mouth for seven weeks before her death and a lump in her leg, which she said, quote, it might have been an embolism. Again, Feels like we're grasping at straws, but we'll talk about it. The results of an autopsy conducted by a Westchester County medical examiner one day after the accident found that Schuller had not suffered a stroke, aneurysm, or heart attack. That ruled out all of that, at least from the medical examiner's point of view. In September, New York's top forensic pathologist said that a hair test should have been done to determine Schuller's drug history because hair is where the drugs stay for the longest. I don't know why or how that happens, but I do know that that is true. And Daniel and his lawyer announced plans to exhume the body to perform the hair test and other examinations. However, experts said that this was unlikely to produce any new information of value since tests from two separate labs came up with exactly the same conclusion, meaning they're saying, don't waste your time. We already have the answers. We already know she was drunk. Yeah, exhuming the body seems like very excessive. Yeah, it's like, okay, you want to you want to make a fool of yourself again and have a third person say what we already know? And even then, at that point, would it still be accurate? I don't know. I mean, hair is dead as it is, so I don't think that changes. It should still be in the hair follicles unless you shaved your head. But, like, come on. Like, at this point now, like, I get grief is a crazy thing, and, and I feel for this man. He has lost a lot of people in his family. And now she's being dragged through a very big media storm because this made international news, national news. Hell, he was on Oprah and Larry King. Like, they were making their rounds. Everybody had seen this happen. And everybody had something to say about it. I understand kind of where he's coming from. And again, we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end here. Schuller also intended to retest the fluid samples taken during the autopsy. The Westchester County Medical Examiner's Office who performed the autopsy, said that the degradation of the fluids over time was likely to result in lowered alcohol and THC readings. However, several toxicology experts said that the results should be similar to the previous test if the fluid samples had been properly stored. But she was being exhumed. I don't think they would have been properly stored in this case. 
On November 7th, Ruskin announced that the Schuller family had raised money to retest Schuller's tissue samples and that the retesting would take place soon. Diane's toxicology report that was repeated in 2010 and the same results returned. It showed the same thing. Right. This meant that during the hours of 11 a.m. when she left the rest stop and 1.30 p.m., Diane consumed the equivalent of 10 drinks and smoked marijuana. Now the theory was that since everybody on the planet Earth says that she was sober during all of these things, which, again, I find hard to believe, they are saying that she guzzled vodka in her car while driving with a bunch of kids in her car and then smoked a doobie and then got back on the road. That's what they're trying to say happened. In July 2010, it was reported that Daniel had accepted a $100,000 offer from a film company, Moxie Firecracker Films, to record Schuller's exhumation for an HBO documentary. Daniel's lawyers said that the money would be placed in a trust for Diane's son, Brian. Daniel's persistence in disputing his wife's intoxication and denying his wife's drug use has been condemned by relatives of the three trailblazer victims. Because remember, unfortunately, Diane's family members were not the only ones killed in this accident. There was three strangers who had nothing to do with Diane, did not know the strollers from the hole in the wall, who also lost their lives that day. And their families were like, what is happening? This is ridiculous. Or you're literally arguing a toxicology report. Yeah, like, it, like, like the whole world is seeing that this is what happened. Just let us rest. Let them like be at peace. This is what happened. And I don't know how much we need to tell you that this is what happened. When Schuller appeared on CNN's Larry King Live to demand more testing of his wife's remains, Longo's brother, which is one of the victims of the accident, Joseph, issued a statement saying in part, quote, I want Daniel Schuller to know that he keeps inflicting more pain on all concerned once again by going to the media to try to paint a picture of a perfect wife and mother, end quote. And Bastardi's daughters appeared with their lawyer at NBC's Today, during which they questioned Daniel's culpability in enabling his wife's substance abuse and called for him to undergo drug testing himself. One of the thoughts was that there's no way that this woman consumed that much alcohol in such a short amount of time while operating a vehicle. A lot of people assume she was drunk before she got in that car and he knew it. And, and maybe didn't know to what extent, maybe, maybe thought she, I don't know. But they think that he holds some responsibility because how could you not know? She was over two times the legal limit. And that's only what they could test that was in her bloodstream. Right. Not considering what was in her stomach contents. Someone's got to know something. Margaret Nicotina, Bastardi's daughter, said, quote, It makes me angry that he keeps denying it. Every time he does it, it brings it back for us. I just wish that he would admit she was drunk. Maybe if he knows what happened that morning, they argued or anything. That would be the truth. He wants the truth. So do we, end quote. The lawyer called Daniel's position totally outrageous, an insult to the intelligence of the American public, and a hoax. And Ruskin said on the Oprah Winfrey show in October 2009 that Daniel had avoided media appearances since Larry King Live out of respect to the Bastardi family. In June 2010, the New York State Police issued its final report on the accident following 11 months of analysis. They were testing this. They were following up on leads. Everything everyone was saying was being taken into consideration, but above all, evidence. The report upheld the previous toxicology findings that Scholler was highly intoxicated and had high levels of THC in her system at the time of the accident. 
Diane's family continue to reject the toxicology reports and fight to clear her name. In the media, Diane has been presented as a super mom on the outside, but a closet alcoholic and drug addict underneath. And I attached a picture here, which we'll, we'll show probably as like a flip slide. It's not that confronting because it's, it's insane. This was a very high collision crash. Her car barely looks like a vehicle. And it's just, it's just terrible. Let's talk about some legal proceedings here. According to a Westchester County medical examiner, the crash was ruled a homicide soon after it occurred because the victims were killed due to Schuller's negligent driving, regardless of toxicology fighting. Because remember, multiple people called reporting her driving recklessly. Or Even drunk if they hadn't that. found that she had high levels of alcohol or drugs in her system, there was still that report she was right. driving extremely recklessly, resulting in a crash. On August 18th, Westchester County District Attorney Janet DeFore said that no charges would be filed in the incident because Schuller was the only person responsible for the death, stating, quote, Diane Schuller died in the crash and the charges died with her, end quote. In October 2009, DeFore faced accusations from Dan Shore, who was a Republican challenger for her office, that she had mishandled the Schuller case. And I'm sure he just leached onto it because he really wanted to prove that she was negligent whatever right who who else is gonna be charged right an attorney said of a starting family also alleged that defore had mishandled the case which i don't understand because it's still kind of played out how they all wanted it to anyways both parties said that defore should have initiated a grand jury investigation into the incident this is frustrating to me and i and like i said i can empathize with the best of them but we'll talk in response to Shore's comments, DeFore responded, quote, is he suggesting that there was criminal evidence of a crime committed by someone and we wouldn't pursue it? That's just silly, end quote. DeFore ended up winning re-election in November that year with 53% of the vote to Shore's 36%. The Bastardi family said that if DeFore did not convene a grand jury, they would seek support in the matter from the state attorney general and the governor. Following a crest from the Bastardi's family that an administrator had been appointed for Schuller's estate so that a lawsuit could be filed. Daniel officially declined the role in November 2009, leaving it to a county court judge to appoint a public administrator. On December 10th, the Bastardi family filed suit against Diane Schuller and her brother, Warren Hans, seeking unspecified damages for wanton, willful, and reckless conduct. According to the family lawyers, they were required by state law to include Hans in the suit because he was the owner of the van that Schuller oh was driving. God. In July 2011, Jackie Hans, who lost her three daughters in the accident, filed suit against her brother-in-law, Daniel Schuller. The suit claims that the three deceased Hans girls suffered terror, fear of impending death, extreme horror, fright, and mental anguish. And again, this was kind of heard on the call that was with her brother. Right. On July 26th, 2011, the day after the premiere of HBO's There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane, and on the second anniversary of the crash, Daniel announced that he is suing the state of New York for not keeping the road safe and his brother-in-law Warren Hans for being the owner of the minivan that Diane was driving. These people are insane. I know. By July 2014, all lawsuits by all parties were either settled or dropped. The judge sealed all the settlements. Wow. So let's talk about the after, and then we're going to break this down real quick, and then I will release you from my grasp because this has been a long night. Liz Garbus, who is an Oscar and Emmy nominee for The Farm, Angola, USA, 
takes a hard look at the Diane Schuller case and there's something wrong with Aunt Diane, which again, I think people should look at because it really does. In the documentary, she explores a few questions. Many who are familiar with the case ask themselves, and this, these are questions I'll also post to you, which we'll go over at the very end of this. The questions she proposes in this documentary are, why was Ms. Schuller driving with marijuana and the equivalent of 10 shots of alcohol in her body as tests later showed? Was she a habitual drinker, and if so, did her husband and other family members know? Could denial play a factor? Were the tests mistaken? If not, did some medical problem, a stroke, an abscess tooth, an aneurysm, cause her to start drinking? Could Diane have been a secret, high-functioning alcoholic? And the mother of Diane's nieces who were killed in the crash, Jackie, said it was made without the cooperation of her and her husband, Warren, but with the permission of Diane Schuller's husband was publicly insisted that it was some undiagnosed health problem, not alcohol and drugs that led to the crash. Meaning that the niece's family, Diane's sister-in-law and brother, believed that this documentary was a bit skewed because they were not contacted for the documentary. It was only Diane's husband, who we already know has a very strong stance on how he feels this all played out or how he wants it to be portrayed that it all played out. That's something to note as well. The title comes from Emma's last words to her father when she called him frantically from the minivan because one of the things she said was, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. In her Ladies Home Journal essay, Miss Hans writes, quote, people always ask how I feel about Diane. You can't imagine how complex that question is. How does a person go from being like a sister to me, adored by my girls, cherished by my husband, to being the one who ruined our lives? How could this person I trusted completely have done something so unthinkable that I couldn't and still can't wrap my head around it? I pray every day that there is another explanation. To not have any answers is torture. I don't know how to describe that pain. When something like this happens, you want to be able to hate someone. When I see the misery in Warren's eyes, I know what he is thinking. It was his sister who did this. His sister who destroyed our lives. I can't blame him for her actions. And since Diane's not here, I can't take out my anger, my confusion, or my heartache on her. There is no one left to hate. And anyways, we both loved her very much. In August 2009, New York Governor David Patterson proposed the Child Passenger Protection Act, which would make it a felony to drive while intoxicated if a passenger under the age of 16 is in a vehicle. Although it should probably be illegal all the time, but that's mm -hmm. besides the point. The proposal became known as Leandra's Law following the October 2009 death of the 11-year-old Lysandra Rosado, a passenger in a vehicle whose driver was drunk. The Child Passenger Protection Act was signed into New York law on November 18, 2009. Jackie and Warren Hans formed a foundation, the Hans Family Foundation, whose main purpose is to honor the life of their three daughters by ensuring healthy, happy, and safe children through innovative self-esteem educational programming. The foundation's central project is Beautiful Me, which is a self-esteem program designed to educate girls by promoting appreciation for their genuine qualities, accurate self-awareness, and the satisfaction of helping others. Let's talk about it. First, let's go through these like quick questions that the documentary tries to adjust. And then I kind of just want your like free-balling thoughts because I have some of my own as well. First, just just so we can kind of make it a little bit more concise before I start rambling. And, uh, you know, your thoughts will probably be more in line than mine are because I'm all over the place today. But first question I have for you, Jules, is what do we think happened here? Like I said, it's, 
too broad. Do we think that Diane could have been a secret high-functioning alcoholic? Like, do we think this was a standalone event? Or do we think, because it's undisputed that she had that alcohol in her system. But do we think this was maybe a problem, even though pretty much nobody said that they ever witnessed her do this? Except, remember, her husband started cracking a little bit towards the end. So I think it's very likely, you know, as you said, secret high functioning. So, right, like Mm -hmm. you're not going to meetings to try to better yourself. You're not seeking help. You're high functioning and you're keeping that a secret. I think it's likely that could have been a possibility. But what I think we're missing is like the details of what actually happened that morning. Because I feel like that's the key to all of this is like, I mean, how old did we say Anti-Am was? 36, 36. right? Like, I can't imagine any 36-year-old person just, like, being able to down the equivalent of 10 shots of alcohol in that short of a time span. Especially in such a short time, right? Unless, number one, you were drinking earlier, and number two, or unless you were an alcoholic. That's a really good point. And, like, another theory was that maybe her and her husband got in a fight. Then she started drinking. And then that's another reason why people believe maybe he is so hard to deny it because he doesn't want it to come out that she drank, quote-unquote, because of him and then caused this horrific event. Because there's no disputing he wasn't involved. I mean, maybe he maybe he did drink with her. Maybe he does have culpability in that way, which we can discuss, too. You think there's no way it was a medical problem, like a stroke, an abscess tooth? Because some people said maybe that's why she drank, because she couldn't get Tylenol. Maybe she drank to try to relieve the pain. But, like, you're driving a car. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're driving a car with your... And she was driving erratically the whole day. With your children, who should be your number one priority, and your nieces, who I would assume are very close up there, like, I have a nephew and I have a niece on the way. If I'm driving by myself, not that I'm ever reckless, I have a different sense than if I'm traveling with some of the most important people in my life in the car Absolutely. with me. Like, Absolutely. Ranger. When I'm in the car right? Ranger, I'm like, oh, make sure we're not slamming on the brakes for anything. You know, yeah. like, I just, I don't know. I agree. It's one of those things where, because one of my next questions was, were the tests mistaken? They did them yeah. three times. Like, yeah, they, I'm sorry. And they did them all different times, all different places, all different types of tests. I think, and I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but my next question was, could denial play a factor? And I think a thousand percent. Yeah. I think, like I stated through this whole case, I think he was trying really, really hard to protect her name or even maybe protect himself a little bit if if what people think could be true where maybe they got in an argument and he knew she was drunk, she got in the car while he knew it because then he would probably have Well, and I was wondering too, Lisa, like if, like obviously there wasn't a toxicology report done on him. That's what people wanted. Remember, the families were like, Let's drug test this guy. Right. Was like, well, right. But I, I took that to mean like at the current time. To, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Why are you in yeah, like, yeah. This crazy denial? But like from that drive, because they, yeah. right, that would have been, you know, more accurately pinpointing. Yeah. You two were fucking up to something before you both yeah. got in a view and you just happened to get luckier than her. That is curious that 
they didn't do that. That is really interesting. Now I'm thinking about it more to say, like, why did she have all the children when they both had vehicles at their disposal? Right? It, I don't know. Maybe he was more fucked up than she was. Like, we don't know. He just got lucky. I don't know. Well, what's it's such a sad case all around. I think it really just unfortunately boils down to denial and protection of his wife. Yeah. There's no other ways about it. There's no aneurysm. There was no stroke. There was no evidence of any of that. The only evidence that was there is that she drank a lot of alcohol. She smoked some weed and drove like a maniac down the thing. And like, I guess the question then would be why? Well, I mean, I will never know why, but I think going back to your point about let's say there was an aneurysm or a, a who the fuck knows or cares that doesn't negate the toxicology report. Yeah. Right. Like you're still drunk. Like you could have an aneurysm induced by alcohol. Yeah. They're two separate things in my opinion. I don't, like I don't think that matters. Well, and I think that goes also to the point that we were talking about a little bit earlier where even if it didn't come back that she was drunk, she still caused an accident. Yeah. She's driving the wrong way on a highway. Reckless. The fact that her nieces had the wherewithal to say to their dad something is wrong with aunt diane she's not acting herself she's not acting normal i almost wish and i i don't know if they would have even been able to respond to this they were all so young but like if if they were able to say like we saw her drink something i don't think i know that's what i was thinking too about the surviving son but five years old that's like kindergarten he was severely hurt he got a really bad brain like a concussion that must have messed up his memory accent as well another theory was that she wasn't drunk from when she got in the car originally stopped to try to get pain medicine couldn't got alcohol instead Started drinking it, pulled over, drank some more, threw up because she drank so much, which is why people reported seeing her throw up. Right. Then got back in her car and started driving with all these kids in her car. I don't, it's just like, I hate cases like this one because they're so sad, but two, because there's no answers. And like the answers are obvious, but like the why is the part that bothers me. I wish we would have known how or why this could have happened. I mean, going back to your point, though, even if you choose to drink because you're in physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, whatever, that's one thing to do in the comfort of your home. I had a shitty day. I'm going to open some wine versus like, I'm driving and and I had a shitty day. I'm going to fucking drink. No. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good point, too. So, Going with the fact of the matter, which was that that she was drunk. At some point, she started drinking. And at some point, she was behind the wheel of a car after that point. She made the conscious decision to smoke and drink, whether that was while she was driving, right before she was driving, whatever. Then she made the decision to get in the car. And that's where it's like, the fuck? Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. And like, or what aren't you thinking? What do you think about Daniel's reaction to this? Do you think it's him trying to protect himself? Do you think it's him trying to protect her honor? Do you think he genuinely believes that this was not Diane's character, that this just doesn't add up to him? I mean, it could be a one-off. I don't understand how, but it could be she just went, snapped, just got really fucked up, got in the car and messed up big time. She murdered a bunch of people, essentially. Let's say this was a one-off. I still don't know how you can sit I mean, don't get me wrong. I know nothing about how a toxicology report is actually done. But even if this was a one-off situation, how can you sit and argue the science of that? Sometimes people just, like, attach themselves to ideas that, like, 
logically make no sense. Yeah. But I think it could be like the love for his wife that he just refused to let this die. It's like what about the love for your children? Obviously, nothing will ever replace the love you have for your spouse, your significant other, etc. Having children is a whole other, people say sometimes deeper level of love. I'll put my children, I'll save them before I'll save myself or, or my husband or wife or significant others. To me, maybe you're trying to save the honor of your wife, but what about your children? You know. Well, I guess to that same point though, Jules, she does have a surviving son. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, though, he was doing that to protect. Like, now that I think, I didn't even consider, unfortunately, I didn't even consider that being a reason. Because now I'm thinking maybe it was less him trying to protect Diane and more him trying to protect his son, who is now living in the aftermath of this horrific event with his mom being villainized on every single but the kid is going to have trauma to work through. Let's just yeah. Like, Let's just be honest. Right. Let's work through all of the trauma instead of yeah. Lying. I think lying about it is not right. going to help him heal. Yeah, he could very well grow up to look into this and find the information and draw his own conclusions, and then have a whole other therapy visit. <laughs> I am curious because like he was five, and I don't know what my first memory is, but because like I have trouble figuring out i think fourth grade is my first memory i have such a bad memory my well i think for me my problem is i can't tell the difference between what's like a legitimate memory that i actually remember versus what's like a story i've been told a couple of times yeah you know what i mean like i don't know if like i actually remember you know me falling on a cup and smacking my tooth out of my face or if i've just been told that seven thousand times right it feels like a memory because i know it happened yeah But I don't know. I mean, I think this case is horribly sad. A really big lesson to everybody out there. It is kind of crazy because, again, by all accounts, which obviously doesn't mean it's not true because it is true. We have the facts, the hard facts to say it's true. But it is interesting that everybody who knew this woman reported her as normal, well-to-do, loved her friends, loved her family, wasn't a heavy drinker. And even like we said, maybe it was a secrecy thing and she just got too fucked up this time. That could very well be the case, which I think is actually probably the most probable, to be honest, because I don't think if she genuinely wasn't hiding this addiction that a random, like you or I would randomly take 10 shots, smoke a doobie, get in a car with a bunch of people and drive backwards on a highway. I don't think that that's something that like a non-substance abuser would do, right? That seems like a coping mechanism. Well, that's kind of, right. That's kind of what I was like getting at earlier to say like, I'm 30 and the thought, if you said, Jules, you have to take this one shot or I'm going to kill you, I'd be like, oh my God, please no. Yeah. Thank you. I don't think I could do that even in college and I drank a lot in college. Right. That's why I think you build up the, t- I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anybody for their drinking or anything like that. But no, but you have to be careful because this can happen. Right. You can't get behind the wheel of the car. You can't endanger yourself, your children, your nieces, other people on the road. I mean, it was like 11 o'clock on whatever day of the week. It was. A, I mean, you have to think like 10 people called 911 before the crash even happened. Right. And that's scary. I don't know if this is just like intrusive thoughts in my brain, but like I often think driving down the highway, driving down like the turnpike or the 
Parkway, like, what if someone starts coming my way backwards? Like, it starts driving the wrong way. Somebody, I meant to uh, say this earlier, and then I didn't just realize. Well, I don't know, but when I was in high school, my sister is one grade older than I am. We would drive to and from school, and one day we were driving home, and someone was driving at us because they thought we were someone else because we had the. You're kidding! What? Yeah, they were literally. They were driving at you. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was terrifying. But for, okay, I have a lot of questions about that because they could they want to hurt somebody else? No, I think they were like messing with whoever's car they thought it was because I had the same car that I literally would have shit my pants. Yeah, we were screaming. <laughs> well, I will say when I first got my license cuz I got my license the second I could cuz I was eager to be out on my own and eager beaver if you will. <laughs> but the first thing my mom said to me when I got my license was before I give you the keys, which I had like hand-me-down car, like I didn't get any like crazy new car or anything. Before I give you these keys, I want you to know you are driving a lethal weapon. Yeah. And you need to treat it as such. If you see a brake light ahead, I don't care how far ahead of you they are, you hit your brake light. If you see cars slow down, you slow down. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to treat this as a weapon because it is. And not only you can get hurt, but you can hurt somebody. Right. Else. I was thinking the other day, because I'm a like my cousins who have always been little children and babies are like old and i'm like oh my god the fact that we let 16 year olds drive is scary it's terrifying for those who don't know i am currently in back in college um for a second degree program i already have my undergrad i graduated in 2015 but now i'm back i saw people walking on campus today i shit you not jules i thought these boys who are college aged kids i don't know if they're freshman junior senior whatever they look like they came fresh out of eighth grade uh, yeah and I, it's like, I really don't get it i've been obviously obsessed with everything wedding yesterday zach and i were like what are we gonna do like to enter into the reception because like people go all out with their yeah like, like their little entrances tell me how i spent an hour on tiktok and zach was like what are you doing and i was like i'm doing research anyway, anyway. <laughs> i can't so wait it was all on tiktok we came up with nothing zach it was like not helpful i'm like hyperventilating scrolling through and he's like we'll just walk in we'll be our organic selves he's like i'm gonna fucking carry but anyway it was that's where i saw it It, there was this couple and i was like you literally like look like you're going to high school prom how are you possibly married like you're not old enough it's insane it's crazy yeah i think we kind of both agree i again hate cases like this because Personally speaking, I do not like unsolved mysteries or whatever. And like, yeah, this isn't a mystery because we know the outcome. We just don't know the whys. And I hate that. And we don't know what led up and we never will. And that sucks for everybody involved. Truly, I agree with the families that were impacted that just say, let let this rest. She was drunk driving. Doesn't matter how, when, why or what. She did it. She killed a bunch of people. She was reckless. And that is the truth. She could have been the best person in the world and made a really stupid decision. Or she could have made a really, she could have been really stupid and made a stupid decision. But that goes to show it doesn't discriminate. No. And go to your grave thinking whatever it is you need to think. But like, don't take away from other people. Trauma that these people have experienced. And I think like my acting theory is that there's something that happened in the morning. That's what it sounds like. That we don't know about. Yeah. Together with the two of them? Yeah. Allegedly. We're like, maybe she was agitated. Like, people were saying that they had fought, like, possibly. 
I don't but, know. Like, I, no one randomly just takes 10 shots and then, like, like wait, let's go on a ride. The Heinz, like, and then get, get... Well, and if you think about the time frame, it was such a short period of time. Yeah. She would have had to have been laying back shot. I mean, she probably wasn't, like, actually she didn't have a shot glass. She's probably just guzzling from a bottle. She didn't have a chaser as far as we know. Jesus, <laughs> woman. She just was on a different level. I don't know. Rest in peace to everybody who, unfortunately, was part of this crash. Yes. And make it be a lesson to everybody. Like, do not drink and drive. Do not get behind of a wheel. There's Ubers. There's Lyfts. There's people you can call. There's always someone willing to help. Hell, I'm sure you called the police and said, listen, I got fucked up. I have nobody else to call. I don't know how to get home. I don't want to drive my car. They would happily give you a ride. Right. Because anything is better than having a situation. It's never like worth it. Never, ever worth it. Even if you have some crazy death wish, you're going to hurt somebody else. Yeah. When you choose to get behind the vehicle of a car, you're choosing the idea that you could harm somebody else. And that's just not cool. But thank you, everybody, for checking in on this Blind Eye episode. Well, thanks for riding this roller coaster with me. I know this is going to be a whirlwind to edit, but that is the name of the game here with good old Blind Eyes. We hope to have more of you to continue the conversation with. Let us know what you think. What do you think happened here? Do you think this was a fluke? Do you think the tests were wrong? Do you think Diane's husband is acting out of denial or just trying to protect his wife and he does know the truth. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Matt will be back for the next episode, so don't you worry if you like hearing his cadaverous voice. (laughs) He will be back on the next episode and we will catch up with you guys later. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you can. And again, don't drink and drive. Never. Do good shit. Or smoke and drive, really. Don't really, don't. No, drink water. Yeah. <laughs> Drink your water. And on that note, love y'all. Jules, love you. Sorry, today was girl It was. You know, it kind of made me think about how much I really want to start another show with you. But that's besides the point. <sighs> that's a tale for another day. Yeah. <laughs> me trying to create 75 shows and I can barely keep up with one. That's the tale of uh, Lisa. Anyways, love everybody. I'm going to stop the recording and then we can say goodbye to each other. Bye-bye. Bye.